Today's episode is brought to you by Alexandra Park BJJ. Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu is a full contact martial art and combat sport that was developed in Brazil in the 20th century. With roots in Judo and Japanese Jiu-Jitsu, has been developed and refined into a unique grappling art with the aim to allow a smaller and weaker individual to beat a bigger and stronger opponent with the application of proper technique. Based in Muswell Hill, North London, Alexandra Park BJJ's classes are designed so that you can develop your fitness levels, balance, coordination and flexibility in a no-pressure environment and to provide the opportunity to start a new sport at a reasonable price. At Alexandra Park BJJ, we aim to be inclusive so that everyone can benefit from this incredible art, not just the athletic or ultra competitive. To book your free class, head over to alexandraparkbjj.co.uk or email inquiries at alexandraparkbjj.co.uk. Welcome to Audiobookish, an audiobook review and discussion podcast looking at audiobooks both big and small, as well as radio plays, narrative podcasts, anything audiobook-ish. This podcast may contain spoilers, rants, curse words, mispronunciations of names and places, and more. Hello everybody, you're listening to Audiobookish. My name is Fahed Rahman and I'm joined as always by Poppy Knight. Hello. And today we are going to be discussing Nubia, The Awakening by Omar Epps and Clarence A. Haynes. Poppy, do you want to read out the blurb for Nubia? Yes, so. For Zuberi, Uzoshi and Lincho, Nubia is a mystery. Before they were born, a massive storm destroyed their ancestral homeland, forcing their families to flee across the ocean to New York City. Nubia, a utopic island nation off the coast of West Africa, was no more, and their parents' sorrow was too deep for them to share much of their history beyond the folklore. But New York, ravaged by climate change and class division, is far from a safe haven for refugees, and Nubians live as outcasts, struggling to survive in the constantly flooding lower half of Manhattan, while the rich thrive in the tech-driven sky city known as the Up High. To many, being Nubian means you're fated for a life plagued by difficulties and disrespect, but Zuberi, Uzoshi and Lincho are beginning to feel there might be more. Something within them is changing, giving each of them extraordinary powers extraordinary and terrifying powers that seem to be tied to the secrets their parents have kept from them. And there are people up high watching, eager to do anything they can to become even more powerful than they already are. Now Zuberi, Uzoshi and Lencho will be faced with the choice. Do they use their inheritance to lift their people or to leave them behind? The fate of their city and their people hangs in the balance. And it is written by Clarence A. Haynes, a native New Yorker. Clarence served as an associate editor with Doubleday Broadway, division of Random House, and the imprint Harlem Moon, before going to work as a development editor for titles with Amazon Publishing under the imprints 47 North, which specialises in sci-fi and fantasy, and Skyscape, which specialises in YA fiction. He also handles projects for Legacy Lit, a part of Hatchet Book Group. Clarence is the author of the short historical work, uh, Legacy of Jim Crow for Penguin Workshop. He lives in Brooklyn and in Berlin, wherever he goes, he tries to surround himself with books. And the other co-writer is Omar Epps. Omar Epps is an actor and producer who's first introduced the audience as Q in Ernest Dickerson's cult classic Juice. 
opposite Tupac Shakur. He's gone on to star in the beloved romance Love and Basketball as Dr. Eric Foreman on the massively popular TV show House, as Jeff Cole in Too Deep as Isaac Johnson on Shooter and as Darnell on This Is Us. He is the author of the memoir From Fatherless to Fatherhood and uh, Nubia the Awakening, his, his first novel. And we should just also mention it is narrated by Amir Abdullah, Imana Rochelle and George Bennett Watson. Um, so Poppy, this was one of your picks. Mm-hmm. How did you come across it and what kind of what drew you to the title? Yes. Yeah, so it was a mix between I had seen it talked about on kind of social media stuff and I saw it when I was browsing through. And the thing that mainly pulled me to it was the fact that Omar Epps had written it. Um, I am a big fan of House. It is a very influential TV show in my life. Um, and yeah, his character of Foreman uh, is in so much of House. And yeah, that show meant a lot to me. So that immediately intrigued me. And I think that was actually a post that I'd seen was, oh, he's writing a novel kind of thing. So yep, as well as, you know, sci-fi and fantasy tick boxes for me. So I thought definitely want to give it a go. Okay, cool. So I've only just finished listening to it today. So some of my thoughts com- are going to be a little bit disordered. Usually I kind of like to make a few notes and kind of like figure out how I want to structure the <laughs> discussion. So let's kind of just start off with like, the beginning of the book, which is a kind of a big blurb kind of setting out the world in which the book is set in. And I think part of the reason I'm kind of finishing the book so late is kind of like I really struggled to get past that that bit of um exposition it's kind uh-huh. of a big bit of exposition before you actually get to um the story mm-hmm. did you struggle with that as well or was yeah. it kind of like yeah 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 I did a bit so I'm revisiting my notes because opposite to you I listened to it a little while ago but yeah I have written down here the start's a bit monotone I think it needed to be kind of more documentary than a list and so casting my mind back I think it was quite a lot like sort of between these years this happened between these years this happened but you know and it could have been more of a yeah like a documentary thing more narratively written as to what happened because I didn't really take it in I'm not that big on history and yeah the stuff I did enjoy in history certainly wasn't just lists of (laughs) dates and things that happened and blah blah Um, and understandably I don't think the narrator gave much life to it because it was done as more of a dry list. But equally, that's the moment where they needed to give it even more to pull you in. Yeah. So yeah, I was totally with you. It was kind of like, I wouldn't want it to be too lively because it was dark stuff, you know? There's a, a flood that completely devastates a homeland and things like that. You know, you wouldn't want him to be really cheery and stuff like that, but more expression might have helped it. Or like I say, that information being presented to us in more of a, here I am setting the scene than a, here's the first five pages of a textbook kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that for me, maybe a better way of like getting, so this is a sci-fi YA story. So you do need to kind of do a little bit of world building, kind of establishing what the rules of the worlds are, what the societal hierarchy is, um, yeah, yeah. kind of the, where the, the world of the characters are coming from and stuff. And I just wonder if that information could have been maybe been given at the start of each chapter in a certain you, way, yeah, it kind of, kind of split, yes, mm. yes, it's based it out. So in terms of the structure of the audiobook, we've got two 
main narrators, so uh, Amma Abdullah and Imana Rochelle, they take on two point of view characters each. So Amir takes on the voices of Izochi and Lencho, who are uh, two cousins and who are the two male protagonists for the book. And Imana takes on the voice, well, takes on the point of view chapters of uh, mm. Zuberi and Sandra. Um, so th- th- they're not taking on the voices. It's they narrate point of view chapters from each one of those characters. Um, what do you think about the production decision to kind of split the point of view character chapters the way that they did? Yeah, yeah. It's definitely an interesting question. Um, and I think this is one where you could have made a different decision, but I do quite like the one that they've gone with. So yeah, the fact that, you know, you've got so much third person, there'd be nothing wrong with it being one person reading yeah. it, you know? Um, narrator could give a brilliant performance of all the different characters and all the different perspectives, and that would also have been fine. I certainly think it was good what you say that about the fact that Zuberi and Sandra's are done by one narrator and Izuchi and Lincho by another and they're more even. I think it would have seemed weirder if it was just Zuberi singled out and then the same male narrator doing the two other male characters. You know what I mean? Because then you yeah. feel like, oh, okay, they're giving a voice to each character. And then, oh, wait, no, they're not. They're just singling out the one female one and making it very gendered. Like, almost as if saying, oh, because there's a female perspective, we have to have a female in there kind of thing. Uh, but I think, yeah, the fact that it was more evenly split doesn't make that as as much um and i actually just i really enjoyed the performances of both narrators and i think they brought some really good stuff to both sides of it so yeah i think you could have just done one narrator but i did like the fact that it was multiple i think on this one and then yeah having a separate voice that was doing those more uh historical context as well not needed but it was quite nice having a separate person on those as well what did you think? Yes. So I kind of had mixed feelings. I, I really enjoyed the performances mm-hmm. of both the performers that did the point of view characters. I did find a little bit confusing, especially with Sandra's and Zuberi's chapters off, because I think um, the performer who does Izochi and Nencho, he kind of gives those chapters a really different feeling in terms of the way he I felt there's kind of you really got the sense of like anger and resentment in Lencho's chapters and that was was really easy to kind of delineate or separate which chapters Mm. those were whereas with Sandra's and Zuberi's chapters it would take me like five ten seconds to kind of realize oh this is a Sandra chapter this is a Zuberi chapter and I think the other thing that kind of troubled me a little bit is I'm assuming that Sandra and Crazen are both white. Is that a fair I've, assumption? Well, I find yeah. this a very interesting thing about the book because it's, of course, extremely obvious the parallels between what happens in this book and racism in the US, right? It's yeah. very, very clearly that is what it's yeah. trying to get at, right? Yeah. Um, but the fact that the way it is in the book is it's very specifically about Nubians and non-Nubians yeah. um, that I think, unless I missed something... I think they don't necessarily say what these aristocratic people and the politicians up high, what their race is. Um, And I think that was possibly a conscious decision to, yeah, yeah, it's very much, it's an analogy of, and kind of, I guess, a extrapolation um, of what, because this is set in the future, right? Um, Sort of an extrapolation of what is racism now 
then is prejudice against Nubians specifically. So I don't know if we know whether they are white or not. They're clearly, you know, they're real world counterparts. Yeah. The assumption is that, that they're white. But I think in this one, it's the potential that they might not be, but that Nubians specifically are being singled out. Yeah, I mean, and it does go on to maybe slight spoiler kind of, uh, can't discuss it, but <laughs> I made the assumption that they were white. So that's mm-hmm. kind of, I mean, and I think you're probably right. Maybe the characters aren't um, white. Maybe they, they, you know, they would be kind of African-Americans or Hispanic or whatever the case may be. But I just felt like because Zuberi you know, was obviously kind of Nubian, I just felt like in my, in my head, like her Sandra voice didn't sound white enough to me. So <laughs> there's kind of a, maybe, um, I don't know, that's kind of um Maybe I'm making an assumption about the race of the character that I shouldn't be making, but that's kind of a, it was a slight disconnect for me there. But the, yeah, I don't want to say like the performances were bad. It was just like for me, that was kind of a slight issue. The other slight problem that I have when there's kind of multiple actors involved is when they are doing the character voices of the other point of view yeah. characters. So kind of like when there were you know bits where... Uh, Izotsi and Zuberi were talking to each other and that was in like an Izotsi point of view chapter as opposed to when Izotsi and Zuberi are talking in a Zuberi point of view chapter and it's kind of yeah. I, think, I think that's a really tricky production issue when you have when you're doing yeah. like an audiobook like that but I think that's the only other slight thing that I had there but overall I think the performances were really good I think they really kind of captured, especially um, in the, you know, the Lencho uh, chapters kind of like how frustrating Lencho found his situation to be mm. and he kind of really imbued it with kind of like he really understood his frustration um at the yeah. situation that he'd be put in and kind of the, the resentment he had towards um, members of his family as well mm-hmm. yeah no totally i think the performances when you take them in isolation certainly are really really good and like i say i was worried with how dry i found the beginning bit but it was only that bit that i thought was dry i think the rest of it yeah the performances are really good um and then yeah exactly with every dual narration uh pretty much that overlap of speaking characters is a really important thing to consider and yeah involves a lot of forward planning <laughs> of making sure that people have got you know audio to reference of what the other person's done or is going to do um and things like that that is very difficult but so important for the final listener experience definitely um you know there has been an audiobook that i've listened to where there's a northern character and one narrator did a different accent to the other one from basically a different part of the north and that did put me off while listening to it and so yeah it's a really important thing to make sure accents are right and also kind of the you know the rhythms of speech and such like that and it's the kind of thing where it always makes me wish that audiobooks had the same sort of time and budget allowance to them that films do to get that sort of stuff perfect, you know, and make sure everyone's, you know, rehearsed with each other and have nailed these voices and stuff like that. But yeah, the reality of it is narrators can't fully do that. You know, they can't mimic each other's intonations and stuff as well as an ideal world would be amazing just on how, yeah, quickly audiobooks get turned around. But yeah, it's always something to consider. I feel like I did have some moments where, like you, it didn't feel like it was the right voice, but I certainly don't think that this one uh, derailed me too much yeah. thinking that oh wait that sounds nothing like her or that sounds nothing like him or anything like that yeah yeah i i, I uh, agree with you so um let's talk a little bit about the story 
Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of set in the future and we kind of start the journey with these you know, three main characters, basically Zuberi, Lencho and Izochi. And it's very much a coming of age story mm. in terms of Izochi's got these aspirations to ascend on high through his academic achievement. Zuberi, I can't really remember kind of what her goal at the start of the book was, but it was very much she just wanted to be um, a strong person that her community could rely on, if I remember correctly. Yeah, I think it was kind of like, you know, her father training her and her wanting to live up to that sort of like, yeah, as a warrior, as a fighter kind of. Um, yeah. yeah, and making him proud and being like him, I feel like, was her sort of motivations. Yeah, and uh, Lenchul is in a gang. He's kind of packed school in and he's very much sees the gang as his way out of poverty and trying to keep himself safe as well. So I thought it was quite fascinating. They took three different examples of people dealing with poverty and how Mm. there's different approaches in terms of kind of like trying to scrap your way into survival and uh, stuff like that. What what did you, how did you feel about that? Yeah, definitely. I can certainly, at least now you say it, definitely appreciate that it's uh, in some ways three people in the same or at least very similar circumstances that, yeah, react in completely different ways because they are completely different people. And obviously their family lives being particularly important. So, for example, like I was saying about Zuberi's dad and then also Lencho's and the abuse that was there and those kinds of things informing how they respond. And then, yeah, their different responses to authority is an interesting thing and kind of are they, you know, wanting to go and join the up high? Are they wanting to bring the up high down? You know, all those sorts of stuff that make it really good that it has so many different perspectives. I think obviously this is an interesting story in itself um, and has a lot of interesting stuff in it. And I'm sure we'll go on to talk about the kind of different things about powers and whatever. But yeah, I agree with you in that I think one of the main assets of this book is the fact that it has those three perspectives. You know, then you have, you know, a fourth perspective of, of looking down, but I'm more talking about those three different perspectives yeah. um, in Lower Manhattan. Like, that's a huge asset of this book because it, it just widens its scope so much, the fact that it gives three different perspectives. And not the way that in a lot of books use perspective to tell you stuff the other character doesn't know and that kind of use of perspective. It's less that and more about giving you a breadth of the world. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, a breadth of characters. And I think that segues into what I think is really important to consider with this book, the fact that it is very clearly the start of a series, right? You know, it's called Nubia The Awakening. This is all about setting the scene. And it is important to consider this as a setting up book rather than a story in itself. Like it is a good story in itself, but you can really tell that it is building up to more things. You know, it's explaining to you the situation, the characters, the tensions, the history and context, obviously, as we said, and the fantasy sci-fi mechanics that are in place in this series. So that there is still action, there is still a story of this book, but it's gearing you up for, okay, this is what you're letting yourself in for, this is where we're going to take it from. Yeah, I would agree with that. I wouldn't want that to put anyone off because it is a self-contained story. And even though it sort of ends on a cliffhanger that... If you just wanted to read this one or listen to this one book, you'd be very satisfied with your experience, I Mm, think. Yeah. But for those who love, you know, massive series and fantasy epics and stuff like that, then you can tell that this is gearing up to give you something to really get your teeth into. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree with that. And um, just to pick up on one of the points that you you, you kind of mentioned, mm. um, in a lot of point of view stories, it's kind of like characters maybe talking about information that another character doesn't know about. Yeah. One of the things I really appreciated in this book was how you kind of empathise with the way that each one of the characters is approaching the problems mm. that they're facing because you can completely understand why Lenchul has absolutely no interest in doing academic stuff considering some of his family dynamics and you can kind of yeah. really understand why uh, Izochi is committed so many resources to becoming academically excellent so yeah. with Izochi he kind of you know he starts off as a bit this kind of like nerd that goes to these uh, early study sessions he's kind of like top <laughs> of the class and all of these sort of things and yeah so yeah I, I really appreciated that as well kind of like it, make, it helps you emphasize there's no kind of like one character where you think well if I was him I wouldn't have done what that person was mm. doing in that situation yeah. so I kind of um appreciated that yeah Unlike the other benefit of having those different perspectives is that it gives more of a range for people to identify with different characters. You yeah. know, they can feel more like they are one or the other or the other of them and connect with the world and the story in that way, which is great. Uh, sort of what you just said then made me think of how uh, it's a bit of a grown-up version of the uh, Wizards of Once stuff. They're kind of like within the band, you've got the ones that need to be a bit stronger and stand up for themselves more and then the one who needs to learn from the other by being a bit more caring and sensitive <laughs> and yeah. yeah it's sort of a, a more grown-up version of that same theme yeah so yeah i'd i'm not sure i would have made that connection but maybe yes you're right <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah uh let's kind of talk a little bit about the world building i think the writers did a really great job of like establishing the work notwithstanding kind of like the big bit of like exposition at the start i think they mm -hmm. did a really great job of establishing because it's a fantasy story and fantasy stories do kind of live and die on how invested in the world in which they've created that you're how, in yeah. how invested you can get into it i think they've done a really wonderful job of creating this kind of like dystopian New York mm -hmm. kind of world did a really good job of kind of explaining how the social dynamics work yeah. as well and also did quite a good job of kind of explaining some of the technology that so the, the characters are using so like the, mm. the people up high have got the you know the latest holographic technology where the people in kind of the swamp lands where most of the Nubians live now kind of a kind of using hand-me-downs and the way they establish um would you say like a police presence kind of mm. around everywhere and stuff like that how, how did you yeah. what were your kind of favorite elements of the world building that the writers did yeah i think the one thing which is a classic technique but there's a re reason for it is what we touched on the fact that there are such clear parallels with the current times you know and current situation and that's what in sci-fi and fantasy you know the people that say oh yeah but it's not real these books are often way more real than something that's set in the real world but yeah. realistically that's never going to happen is it <laughs> you know yeah. whereas yeah. this is set in a different world but you feel like all that stuff could happen right and then yeah very much the sort of police slash military slash governmental presence and how that is distributed among the communities and what that is used for and what people claim that is used for versus what it's used for all those sorts of stuff that are very clearly making commentary on the real world was really good and yeah i liked how they built the 
dystopian world, how they sort of set up that this was far in the future, uh, which pulls on those threads, you know, with current times. Um, there was one thing in particular that I found amusing in a, a bit of a depressing way. The fact that there's a thing at one point about how far into the future from where we are now it was before sexual consent was taught in schools. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I thought that was a clever little droplet of world building for sure of, you know, unfortunately we could really see that being the case that it's that long until that finally gets implemented. You know what I mean? So little details like that were really, really clever. And then, yeah, weaving the fantasy in, obviously there's the fact that the children are awakening to the fantasy element of their life at a sort of similar way to what we are doing as well so we learn about the powers kind of as they do which is good and is done well but i liked the way that was teased as well i liked sort of how zuberi's power she's sort of like what what is going on here <laughs> and you know because it's from her perspective we get a little bit of oh she's seeing this oh this is happening and learn about that that was really good i liked that what did you think so uh, I think if there are two elements that I would pick out, one of them is the fact that so uh, the big bad guy in this book is a character called Crazen St. John, um, and he kind of lives up high. And the two elements of uh, his kind of like plot to be, I guess, elected mayor of New York City, whatever it is, is he's got kind of two elements. He's got this private police force, kind of the, the St. John's guards, I believe that they're called. And they're kind of like the boots on the ground in the swamp area. We don't really actually see any formal police officers, I guess, from kind of like that have been authorized mm. from like New York City. And I'm really intrigued with the idea of like really rich people employing private security guards to patrol the streets because like the state mm. has abdicated its responsibility in that area. So I really liked the idea that they played around with that. A lot of the book is about economic power and yeah. kind of how that can be manipulated one way to support a person's biases or political ambitions. And then one of the other kind of plagues that's affecting the Nubian community um, are drugs and gangs. And I was really fascinated in the way that they, uh, you know, the role that Crazy St. John had in kind of helping foster kind of like gang violence and the drug yeah. trade and stuff like that. So those were my kind of like two favorite elements of world building because, mm. um, I think those two elements in themselves could probably stand alone and be the basis of like a TV show set now and yeah. kind of using yeah, that yeah. to set up like a sci-fi problem I thought was kind of brilliant actually. So yeah, mm -hmm. I think those are the two elements of the world that um I quite enjoyed quite a bit. And um you kind of mentioned one of the characters learning about the history as a concept, you know, this is kind of a migrant, a refugee story mm. and how we treat those people and children of a kind of like immigrants, what they pick up from their parents. I think one of the other elements that quite intrigued me a bit and kind of made me think was one of my big regrets actually is how little I talked to my like my mum and dad about kind of their journey here and their early life in the UK. Mm. And so I could kind of understand why the Nubian parents didn't really talk about kind of like back home that much and kind of how these because none of the children realize none of the people in the world realize that nubians are capable of these incredible mm. feats of power that they you know suddenly become aware of so that element also kind of worked quite well for me too 
Yeah, no, that's very fair. And having recently edited our episode on the island of missing trees, which I absolutely love, <laughs> um, yeah. just to say that again, we talked about this then. Yeah, that yeah. whole thing of the trauma that parents have gone through deciding therefore that they're not going to talk to their kids about their homeland, their heritage, their background, what they went through. And then, as you say, the curiosity or potentially lack of from those of the younger generation. So it's interesting that those things have uh, come across in both of them, both of those stories. Yes, kind of curious parallel there. So I think we should maybe talk a little bit about the characters. Do you want to kind of maybe lead off with either Lencho or Zuberi? Because I think I've We've discussed a little bit, I've discussed a bit about Izochi, but do you want to maybe talk about one of those two characters? Yeah, sure. So kind of because you pretty much start off with Zuberi and she is strong and fierce and wants to be that and wants to, you know, absorb the learning from her dad and um, kind of follow in his footsteps in sort of a being able to fight, being able to stand up for herself sort of thing, which is very much important about her character. The another part and part of her character is her friendship with Brianna, who's another person at the school, what she shares with her, how she tries to protect her, all those sorts of things. And her curiosity about what her power is. And also I think her compassion is really important as well. So it was maybe wrong of me to say, you know, that comparison with was once the idea that there's a strong one who needs to learn more about caring because I, I don't think that is the case because she does have such compassion like when she's first finding out about her power it's in connection with someone who has been affected by addiction to that futuristic drug elevation and she definitely has so much sympathy there and a desire to help and really upset about what's going on around her but wants to learn more wants to know more about what she can do and what she is capable of and when she feels like she can't live up to that, uh, that's hard for her. And that's a really interesting thing that goes through the book is her... The standards she holds herself up to, yeah. that she can't quite meet them all the time and how yeah. frustrating she finds that. Yeah. And that ties definitely to that coming of age kind of thing. You know, I think even if it's not related to, you know, your dad teaching you martial arts or you having a magical power, you know, there is this idea that people want to be stronger and they want to be able to stand up for themselves and they want to be capable and it's about having the patience that you might not be there yet but you're going to get there and all that sort of stuff yeah i just want to say one quick thing about a frustration Mm. i had with the way zuberi's training was depicted so there's Mm. so i do brazilian jiu-jitsu it's kind of like one of the things i do and one of the most important parts of doing a martial art is doing like resistance training against another human being. And mm-hmm. all of Zuberi's training sequences <laughs> was her doing sequences in a park by herself or hitting a heavy mm. bag by herself. And that for me, well, if you're just hitting a heavy bag and you're just doing forms in a park and you're not doing any sparring against a resisting opponent, you're going to get your head caved in in a real fight <laughs> when, it, when it happens because, like, nothing can rep- maybe, she, you know, m- maybe like the implication is that she does do some sparring with her dad or, or mm. whatever. But I just feel like I would have loved to a sequence in the book where she was training against a training partner. Um, yeah. And kind of like, you know, learning that way, kind of showing that that would have been a nice way to show that she had skill that she was beating up 
a sparring partner or something like that. But I think her training sequences in the book are very much her way of controlling her anger um, about mm. the situation that she's been put in. But yeah, I can, you know, you was talking about um, Zuberi's compassion and one of the characters it sort of brought me back to was Lyra from um, mm. his dark materials, because that's kind of like one of the driving forces within her personality yeah. within those books as well as it's kind of so there was a weird you know when you kind of mentioned that compassion so like, oh yeah that's actually a similar kind of sort of they're both equally kind of driven and stubborn about the yeah. way they approach certain problems um as well and wanting so, yeah, to live so, up to that expectation yeah, yeah exactly kind of like well. yeah 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 for sure and I, I can't say if it was like a as you suggest a lack of knowledge of that sort of training stuff that let that slip through about the sparring against someone or potentially sort of the impression I get is maybe this is giving a bit extra credit but that idea that she wasn't ready that training yeah. wasn't enough you know what I mean and yeah the fact of nothing as you, just as you say nothing does compare to the actual fight and certainly yeah. in the early stages that is something that's very important um, yeah. so yeah yeah, so, and Lencho, do you want to talk maybe a little bit about what, what you felt about him as a character and how his sections came across as well? Yeah, definitely. So, because, yeah, he's put in a very difficult position. He has a bad home life. He's not found school the escape that Izochi finds it, and gangs have been the way that he is going to get out. And more than that, he's then given an opportunity to ascend to the up high. And you can totally appreciate his conflicting ideas here. The kind of, should I trust these people? Is what I'm doing right? But also, I want to do what's right for me. Um, and those kind of tensions as to who are you willing to throw under the bus for you. Um, and all that stuff is really difficult for him as he's both just wanting to leave his entire family behind, but then also having that pull with his cousin who he doesn't want to leave behind and he wants to protect. Um, so yeah, his is very much a character that's filled with conflict and wanting to take opportunity where he can, but not knowing if that's the right thing or the wrong yeah. thing to do. Um, he was a very compelling character. He was sort of... I think it's partly because uh, him being a bit more mature, he that really comes across... And I think that endeared me to him quite a bit because, you know, not to criticise the other two, but yes, yeah, something did pull about the fact that he wasn't necessarily more in control of his situation, but maybe he was more thoughtful of it. You know, he wasn't just being taken along for the ride and the discovery as much as the other two. He was making conscious decisions and moves and stuff like that that, a made the you know plot of what he was doing interesting but also gave you real insights as to what are his priorities what is his character that when a character is just being taken through what's happening to them you don't explore as much yeah i don't know if that yeah, made sense <laughs> yeah i think it does make a lot of sense um the one point of view character we haven't talked about a lot is sandra um she's mm -hmm. crazy saint john's daughter um i started mm -hmm. feeling about her a little bit one way and then kind of towards the end of the book felt about her a different way how what did you think about her point of view chapters and kind of her as a character and how she was written and you know that sort of thing yeah exactly so it's really interesting isn't it so the fact that she's the one perspective that we get from the up high right 
which in some ways reveals to us corruption we didn't know, in some ways confirms to us corruption we assumed was there, and yeah, adds another element to it. And I'm completely with you that my opinion of her changed throughout it. And you've got a similar thing with what I was just talking about, Lynch, there, in that self-interest thing, and the how much do you want to do the right thing and how much do you want to do the right thing for you that's interesting and interesting about how much does the circumstance you're in influence that maybe you know if you have everything are you more likely to want to keep everything (laughs) at all costs as opposed to if you have nothing but the people around you how willing are you to and how desperate are you to gain what you can at all costs. So that was kind of an interesting sort of parallel with the conflicts between the two of them. And yeah, you don't really know where you stand. She is against some stuff, but more just intrigued about other stuff. And it's an interesting thing of the book of trying to figure out where on the line or any line she sits and should she be trusted and the sort of friendships she makes. Are they going to change her? What's going to happen there is an interesting character but not as compelling really as the other three in their story probably more be because you know they're the ones that are in peril more so yeah. that we want things to go well for yeah we don't really know what the stakes for sandra are at this stage in the book and like you mentioned this is very much the first chapter in which i, I assume will be like an ongoing saga mm. so maybe those you know her relationship with her dad and how troubled that seems to be and kind of sort of we- not it's weirdly abusive it is i think it is kind of abusive the way that he kind mm. of treats her in a lot of ways and how that will unfold because we don't really know whether what she's doing is to get into graces of, of her dad or is yeah. if it's part of a longer plot to maybe upsurp him so if that's mm-hmm. really it's kind of murky it's unclear it kind of adds a little bit of um a Game of Thrones element to right, the yeah. to the book as well. It's kind of like, okay, what's what's the short game? What's the long game here? What what her uh, mm. priorities and um and stuff like that. So yeah, so I think that it added. While they weren't my favorite chapters, it certainly added a lot of depth to what the other characters were going through. And if Sandra's yeah. chapters weren't there, I think even though there's not a lot of um stakes for Sandra personally at this point point in time, her chapters kind of added a lot of stakes to mm. the other characters in the book yeah and what we we're talking about that about the breadth of the world that's definitely what that does right because it would certainly be an interesting book if all we had was the perspective of those in lower manhattan yeah but it almost in that sense makes it less of a story and more of a window into another world right that yeah. we get that other perspective you know if that was shut off from us then this would be a story about people that's set in this world i've created Whereas with that, this is the start of a saga in a world and here's the world for you, which yeah. I think is really quite good. Yeah. So I had a couple of questions about, um, so that the Nubians, it seems like most of them are going to develop superhuman powers in one form or the other. And it mm-hmm. wasn't immediately clear to me. So if you've got this nation of people that live in the world, how they would have been able to keep those powers secret from the rest of the world and i don't think that's explained in the book maybe it'll kind of like come up later and i think it does hint at the kind of other people around the world may have superhuman powers um as well right, so okay. i just yeah what did you think about did that um 
that was just a little bit of a loophole that kind of like bothered me a little bit. Did that come up on your radar? Yeah, so I wouldn't say that it bothered me because what I felt about that was that I felt it was a very clear nod to slash pull from slash inspired by Black Panther with the sort of ideas of keeping their whole society really as for them. Um, And I sort of, yeah, felt that didn't feel like a loophole to me because it felt like it was a nod to that. It was like, we're sort of talking about this kind of situation where it's a nation that has its own assets that it's able to you know supernatural sci-fi assets that it's able to prosper from that no one else knows about okay that kind of makes sense is there anything that we haven't discussed that you wanted to kind of pick up on not necessarily i think we covered quite a lot of it yeah i think it was a really enjoyable listen i don't think it is going to be my new favorite thing ever but also i'm fully aware that it is the start of something and i think it did a lot of that stuff really well the power stuff is really complicated the fact that people get different powers means i guess that's maybe one bit where the world building either maybe isn't that strong or just by nature is more difficult is for you to understand what are the supernatural rules of this world you know we establish what the social rules are the political rules all that sort of stuff about this world i'm not sure we fully get what the supernatural rules of this world are whether we're meant to fully yet because as i say most of the characters are still just discovering it i'm not sure but i think there's more to come from that i think that requires a bit of a bit of attention um i thought it was interesting but i thought it was really well performed even you know despite finding the beginning a bit dry and yeah i enjoyed it it was interesting and i'd just more be intrigued to see where they take it from here yeah i i would agree i would say this is that wasn't my favorite thing. I really, I did, I mm-hmm. did enjoy my time with it. Um, I'm not sure I'd go out of my way to kind of listen to the second book or read mm-hmm. the second book. But if it's kind of available, because I, I spent quite a lot of money on this audio book because it wasn't available. Um, oh no! But, uh, yeah, yeah. So I think I spent like thirty quid or something mm-hmm. like that on it. But um, I wouldn't go out of my way to spend another thirty quid on like the second book if that makes sense. Mm. If it's kind of like one of your um audible free credits or it's um available for like under £10 I might invest Mm -hmm. in it but if it's kind of like if you need to spend that amount of money on it I would maybe give it a skip I think this is it's an exciting new world that they've created and I I would be kind of curious to see where they take it forward again I agree with you the point you raised about the supernatural uh, elements of the power mm. because they, they there is like a religious element in there kind of quite a lot of the characters refer mm. to the goddess and that element's not really explored and i think that's especially people in poverty they do turn to religion quite a lot in terms of finding a place of solace so i wonder if how that's going to be explained and also we're using the word supernatural we don't know if the powers are supernatural in origin maybe these uh, nubians are like mutants and they're able to, you know, like mm. the X Men or something like that. And it's actually their powers are genetically based, but that, you know, it's never established what the source of their powers are. So that's kind of another question that I, I agree with you and needs to be explored and answered mm. later on in, in yeah. the story. So yeah, yeah. No, I, I guess I was sort of using it in the, that term of yeah. uh, magic slash stuff that sort falls under the fantasy sci-fi realm but i'm totally with you yeah there is definitely that distinction there that'll be interesting with how it plays out my thing sort of pulling on what we've said before is that i think if you are the type of person who loves fantasy and loves fantasy series and you know dedicates themselves to 10 book series and that is 
what you love about books and about audiobooks, then there's no reason not to give this one a go, right? Yeah, it was um, really yeah. enjoyable. It sets up a good world. There's really good social commentary in it, some great performances, some very interesting characters, uh, all the great stuff we've talked about um, for sure. But yes, if you don't like big long series, you like more punchier, this is a story, this is what we're going to give you, or at the very least sort of, you know, something then has a sequel after or whatever if or you're not that into sci-fi and fantasy then fair enough it might not be the book for you but if you love that sort of stuff then add this to your list as a new world to listen to and let us know in case we don't or certainly if ahead doesn't uh yeah. listen to the next ones in you know future years or whenever they come out let us know yeah. how it was and maybe we'll have to come back to it I mean, if you're kind of a fan of things like The Hunger Games or mm. um, Maze Runner, I think this is very much in that wheelhouse, really. So if you're, you're fans of series like that, then I, yeah, I, dystopian I imagine you... Stuff was yeah, some, yeah dystopian stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kind of dystopian YA um, sort of thing. Mm-hmm. This is very much in that wheelhouse. And I, and I think it's really well done as well. Yeah, that breadth of world that we talked about as well is, yeah, that huge asset to it, the you really get a feeling of all sorts of different perspectives and that, yeah, you've been dropped into a world rather than you being told someone's story that is really yeah. clever and, yeah, really enjoyable. Yeah, cool. So thank you very much for listening, everyone. I'm not too sure what book we're doing next, but we'll let you guys know. Can you, if you can please continue to support the podcast by leaving a rating or review on whatever podcast app you're listening to us on, or if you can leave a tip in the tip jar, that would also be really helpful um, if you want to contact us you can contact us on social media at audiobookish pod on twitter instagram and facebook i'm in the process of setting up a tiktok account as well and uh, if you want to contact us by email it's at audiobookishpod@gmail.com. at uh, gmail.com thanks poppy let's say bye bye bye, bye.